those uh, masterful introductions to the movies that I usually do. Mm, I do not mm-hmm. have one for this one. I got Fine, way too is, excited about talking about murder. So <laughs> this is not a uh, regular chibattle, chiboodle. Let me see that big noodle. Not the chuddle. Chuddle. This movie sounds awful. I'm sorry, guys. Surprise. Whoa. Hundred butts. Kinky. Creepy pasta. Please. You can't say Teddy Spaghetti three times or else. Don't mention his name. Pastacle. A Ouija version of the stranger. Oh, that's fantastic. Hey. hey. Out of the mist and into the fog, it's Chuddle the Pod. Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Chuddle the Pod, where three best friends take a look at the curious world around us. And what do I mean by the curious world around us? Hmm, well, we like to take a look at movies, music, Mm -hmm. mystery, Mm -hmm. and history, Mm -hmm. dabbling in the gruesome, ghoulish, grisly, and gnarly, and almost always touching on the world of the macabre. (laughs) On today's episode, it's me and Ross again. Brian is still on expedition. Mm -hmm. So tonight, we're just going to do a little shorty featuring... An episode of Tales from the Crypt called Dig That Cat. He's real gone. Yes. Yeah. So oh. how you doing, Ross? I'm doing really good, man. Um, this was a uh it's really funny. I guess for the preparation of some of these shows, obviously, like I'm watching full-length feature films for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um the I think I said this with the Twilight Zone, but it was really funny because I guess that I just figured that these were hour-long episodes and they're like only 28 minutes. I was so- also <laughs> surprised by that. I don't remember them being the half ep- or you know, short episodes. I thought but- they were holesies, as we call them in the house. To- Totally. Uh, I think I know the reason why. So as a kid, Tales from the Crypt was on Fox at midnight. I think it was like on Friday nights or Saturday nights. I would wait until everyone was asleep. I'm also growing up in New Jersey. Uh, went upstairs and tiptoed my way downstairs and then would watch Tales from the Crypt when everyone else was asleep in the house. Oh. It had shit tons of commercials, though. So I think in my head it lasts an hour because this show, including 10,000 commercials, would also probably last an hour. No, it's like a 20... To, I mean, they vary, but I it could... I, they weren't long enough to fill an hour. It would still be half an hour. It would Because st- <laughs> I didn't watch it I, that way. I did not watch them till the DVDs came out. It wasn't until oh, wow. high school and I went to a horror friend's house who was kind of like my horror guru back then. And mm-hmm. they just come out and he was like 10 years older than me. <laughs> we worked in a movie theater together. Looking oh, back nice. on it, it was kind of weird. Like, uh, you know... 16 year old going to a 30 year old's house to drink natty ice and watch horror (laughs) but (laughs) you know what you know given everything we know now um i'm so glad you're here i'm so glad (laughs) that that you could be yeah Uh, yeah wow that was there was a lot there was a lot of red flags and you just went right through it oh yeah totally (laughs) worked out (laughs) That's how I saw Troll 2. That's nice. Well, I mean, if you got to watch Troll 2 out of that, I think it's mm-hmm. an equal trade. Yeah, it's just like 2003. So however old I was then, 17. Oh, wow. The uh, 
but they also i i i thought they were hours as well and i had a totally different experience although maybe my experience made it seem longer too but i don't know i i fell in love with them and so i oh as each God. season came out on dvd i would you know i was excited to buy buy them <laughs> oh yeah no i um i am a huge i think i've probably said this before on the podcast i'm a huge Tales from the Crypt fan and EC Comics fan. Like, I actually mm-hmm. have, like, the EC logo tattooed on my thumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am just a huge, huge bonkers fan of this. So in... Um, it's the only tattoo actually, he has also. It's, it's kind of weird. the only one. It's very weird. It's off-putting. <laughs> I have a... Uh, it was called the EC Archives, and I got it for Christmas in 1996. My cool. folks got me this book, which... this We're going through this book. I should not have had it the age... That they sure. gave it to me, which was, I think, made it be- better, honestly. Like, what, 90s? Yeah, 11 years old, getting this book. And not only did I get a proper education in the uh, comic books, but also the shows that I like. Because half of them, because it's Fox on cable, like, half of these, they never aired on normal Fox because they're so violent. So my only exposure right. to them was, like, all these little thumbnail photos and stuff. So when the actual DVD started coming out, oh my god, dude. Like, the ones that I didn't see as a kid, I got to watch as an adult. Mm-hmm. And I just absolutely fell in love with the camping blood Armageddon that is Tales from the Crypt. Like, it's funny, and it's gory, and it's everything in between. And it's, uh, I don't know. It's Some it's episodes one of those, like, are genuinely shocking. Other ones, like, you see it yes. coming a mile away. But, like, the camp just makes it a blast. It's, uh... It's such a fun show. Oh, my God. And I think the eclectic, I I think having them as uh, an anthology series, so every episode is its own contained unit. I think that's such a cool idea because it's just watching 30-minute movies Mm -hmm. and having just, and they range a lot. Specifically, actually, the episode we're going to be talking about tonight, Dig That Cat, He's Real Gone. This is the third episode of the first season. Now, the first mm-hmm. season had a lot of acclaimed directors, Zemeckis. We had, I mean, there's tons of people. Richard Donner did that, this episode, right? Yes, Richard Donner did this episode. And ladies and gentlemen, if you do not know who he is, he directed the first. Did he do the second one too? I don't I know. I know he did the first. Yeah. Superman. So like he's very well acclaimed uh, director Reeves. at this point when this was, uh, when this was aired in 1989. Um, this is a special one for a few different reasons. Um, Mm. you know what I find really funny is that in the DVD, when you go into the special features, they talk about Dig That Cat, He's Real Gone as the first episode of the season, which... Did it air that way? No, I I see. I'm not 100% sure how it is chronologically in every research thing I've done. It's the third episode. It may have been the first one shot Mm. in the series of all of them getting done. Right. But it could be wrong on that. Do you still have the um, the cases for them, or did you put yours yes. into a CD book like I did? No, I have all the cases. It was one the of the cases old, say have... the dates, uh, the air dates on them. On oh, the so this one is this is June tenth, nineteen eighty nine. So okay. technically, this would be the third one that was aired. Mm-hmm. This story is ripped from Haunt of Fear number twenty one, mm. and we have oh oh okay um, yes. we have our mm, 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 mm. can we talk about supernatural stuff okay so this is technically the first episode in the series 
to deal with a supernatural, quote-unquote, supernatural element to it. So the, the first, first two, two that came yeah. out one was, was... The first um, one was a death row thing, right? The man who was death... Yeah, it was uh, the executioner that does vigilante electrocutions on people that should have been shocked. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is... Uh, and all through... Oh, and all through the house, which is the psycho Santa Claus trying to get into the house yeah, with yeah, the mom yeah. and the young daughter. Mm-hmm. So this is the a lot of it's just gory kind of real crimey type stuff. This is the first time that we kind of get uh, we start really getting into the comic booky aspect of this series in the fact where we have Ulrich, our main character, who has a gift and it's an unusual gift. Mm. It's the gift of death, but what? not just death, as we like to call it. That is it what is... we like to call it. Yeah. <laughs> It is the tragedy of death and the miracle of resurrection. Ah, uh, yeah. That that guy, he's great. <laughs> Dude, Robert Wool, as the ringleader Barker in this, mm-hmm. is so fucking... He's sleazy. The I casting, like the fact... Yeah. The casting in this is fantastic. So when we're dealing with Ulrich, and Ulrich is played by... Uh, Joe Pantoliano. Joe... Yes, Joe Pantoliano. He is, like, every person that's supposed to be a POS in this series, or in this show, is a POS. Like, mm, yes. when when you find Ulrich, he's a wino, he's drunk, he's kind of an asshole. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Barker is kind of an asshole. Coralie, who's played by Kathleen York, also kind of just very off-putting. Like, all of these seedy characters are seedy. And I like the fact that, like, they play these characters that greasy <laughs> yeah they don't try and give them any redeeming elements really no. they just kind of that's are who they are <laughs> exactly and that's what i love 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 about the tales from the crypt just in general because it's just because it was hbo and because they could do whatever pretty much whatever they wanted um they the range of uh how shitty characters could get was just so good so fucking good because of the campiness of it and it's such a contained little story you can really go sort of cartoonish with the characters like it's kind of one-dimensional but it's because it's short and kind of over the top and again campy it just it works (laughs) oh absolutely absolutely oh also little tidbit um Richard uh, Donner is actually in the episode. He's in one of the crowd scenes cheering Ulrich on as he dies. Oh, that's and he's fun. right next to his wife. Yeah, he's like in the front row and he's got glasses on. It's it's amazing. So this entire tale that is going to be told is uh, in a flashback. We find Ulrich in a casket being lowered into the earth and he's about to be buried alive. And he's telling himself albeit the audience, Mm -hmm. about his very particular gift. And that, as I said before, is the gift of death. He is found by... This is once he starts telling the story. I really like the shot. So once he starts talking to the audience, the casket's closed and he's being lowered to be buried alive and they'll bring him up the next day. And he'll be dead, but be alive that's be alive the guy's barking about but i liked the imagery has always stuck with me ever since i first saw it of once the casket's closed he has a candle on his chest and he's just kind of lit up by that um sort of a top-down shot 
and starts talking to the camera. The cinematography in this is fucking awesome. The Mm cutscenes are really good. It's shot really well. Even the carnival scenes, when you see the carnival, like, at its beginnings versus when Ulrich kind of, like, brings so much money into the carnival where it kind of gets a little more ramped up. Um, The lighting's insane. How it's shot is great. And then just the introduction to this character as one lit candle inside of a coffin is Mm -hmm. such a fun, fun way of introducing Absolutely, because up till then, you don't even know who the main character of the story is you're just kind of going around this carnival trying to figure out okay so i'm at a carnival what what's this going to be about and then the coffin guy starts talking to you (laughs) (laughs) and the barker okay so you've probably noticed this throughout this entire episode robert wool's the barker's mustache changes every single murder and it is the weirdest i did not notice that he does. I think I think in the buried version, one of them, he has a Charlie Chaplin like Hitler mustache. And then he has like a Fu Manchu and then he's got like a handlebar mustache and then he's got another. So every time he that's comes fun. back on, it's amazing. The first time I was like, what the fuck? And then I'm really like, that's amazing. I did like the touch when they have him like stroke his beard that you see as long painted fingernails, different colors with like kind of wild jewelry, um, big like there, gold yes. rings and stuff on there. And it was very much sort of that. Like, I run a carnival, like, <laughs> vibe. <laughs> yes! Yes, dude, the, all the carny, like, the, the way the carnival is set up and the way the thing is, it's just, yeah, it's just believable, and it's just sleazy, and I just, I let it up. There's something about this episode I just fucking love. Right, but, like, so, cartoonish, but great, <laughs> in a yes, good way. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so, it's, like, it's cartoon to the point of not absurdity, but it's, like, right on that line, and it balances so well. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I mean, especially that the camp. fact that, like... That camp. Oh, of course. I mean, like, the entire episode is introduced by a living corpse. You know what I mean? Everyone and is. <laughs> oh, it's fun. It, it, that actually reminds me of a quick little divergence um, for every episode doing the same thing. Every episode, uh, Crip Keeker introduced our tale and finishes the episode... I was telling my dad about an episode of Seinfeld I watched, and I was like, oh, it was the classic where they get picked up at the airport in the limo. Turns out it's for, uh, like, somebody who leads the Aryan race, and everybody thinks it's George. And my dad was like, oh, I watched a good one the other day. It's It was the one where they uh, Jerry's on stage telling jokes, and then it cuts to different things, and then he's on stage in the nightclub telling jokes again. <laughs> <laughs> Is oh, literally yeah. every episode every of Seinfeld. episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think it, it's, it's really nice though when you have such an like uh, obtuse kind of uh, um, episodes and just different things. Because I mean, they go into supernatural, they do and go into true crime. Because EC Comics had so many different panels where they had like um, right Tales from the Crypt, Vault of Horror, Haunt of Fear. Uh, they also had. Uh, crime right like, were they just crime with yeah, exclamation tr- point crime suspense stories mm. uh they also had i mean do they even did piracy and a bunch of other crazy ones so i right. mean it's nice to have the crypt keeper format in here because it kind of gives you like a cadence while you're kind of like watching all of these episodes and uh also john kassir the voice of the crypt keeper i like that in the first season he's very i don't say gruff but it's like he's more corpsey in the oh, first season as he's narrating is like it's like crackly and kind of weirder and then the super pun schlocky high-pitched shrilly kind of shrieky Mm -hmm. starts happening in like the later Later. seasons which i thought yeah yeah i didn't pick that up i i've I've watched it i've watched all of them like through twice i think and then random episodes more than that (laughs) 
<laughs> that's yeah no i've honestly i've watched these back and forth god hundreds of times and it's just it's one of it's, i have i mean uh twilight zone is one of my favorite series mm-hmm. but anyways let's get jump back in i can go and talk about ta- side tangents on this right. series fucking <laughs> forever so dr emil manfred finds ulrich in like an alleyway and starts like kind of like you know hey what's going on what are you doing blah blah and uh you know Ulrich is kind of just like swatting him away until he pulls out a fucking wad of money. And the whole reason why Dr. Emil wants Ulrich is because he wants to do a procedure. And this procedure is to, I also like, okay, cats. He says cat scan so many times in this opening sequence when he means he's scanning cats and not actually doing a cat scan. Right. And (laughs) you can tell that the actor like doing it got in on the joke and was like smirking the entire time while mm-hmm. he was saying these things. Having lines. fun with it for sure. <laughs> Finding it. So this doctor finds a gland in the brain of cats and this gland gives them nine lives. Oh, so it's true. So it's true. So it's true. So in this multiverse, this is this is true. The procedure which gives Ulrich disposable income is that he wants to try to successfully put the gland into a human brain spoiler alert he does it (laughs) (laughs) he goes you didn't tell me you were gonna shave my head i also like that that that's his complaint when he wakes up from like getting this he's like agrees to get a cat gland put in his brain so that he can get money for alcohol and he wakes up and there's like a to shave at the back of his head and it's like oh you didn't what tell me fuck, you were gonna bro? shave my head yeah exactly yeah. like that is <laughs> what you're a... mad about it's fucking just super fucking peeped so this actually leads directly into death number one well they did the thing so they got to figure out did it work and there's only one way to figure that out and i think he pulls out a german luger and he fucking shoots ulrich directly in the head pow, which is pow, pow. weird yeah and surprisingly enough he wakes back up weird th- why would you shoot your test subject in the head at all during what like wouldn't you want to shoot him in the heart or somewhere else you just did so much complex surgery i felt like if you were a weird you enough shot, gland you just blow the <laughs> gland clear out of his brain it's <laughs> a good point That's i never thought thing. about that <laughs> i thought i was like what the fuck what if he just like if he was an inch lower this whole thing would even if it worked it wouldn't have worked that would have been too funny shit <laughs> <laughs> fuck end of episode so we get into the scheme of the episode, and this is Dr. Mill and Ulrich kind of come up with a plan to capitalize off of the fact that he has nine lives. And what's the best way to do that? I guess it's going to your local carnival and just telling a dude, hey, this guy is going to die in a dunk tank. Do you want to fucking make some money off of that? I sw- we'll sw- we swear he'll get back up. Right. <laughs> And I love that the way the doctor is going to make money off this is by having him die in these performances at a carnival rather than, like, becoming rich from, I don't know, giving people nine lives by putting a cat gland in the back of their brain. Yeah. Seems yeah, like it'd be like, a lot more uh, more commercial success long term. <laughs> I would, yeah. It's like, hmm, do I, do I get a Nobel Peace Prize? Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> for extending the human life 
ninefold. Or I could go to this carnival. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> watch this dude get murdered a bunch. Over and over. Yeah. And just get a bunch of money floated. Mm-hmm. And uh, the carnival won. So we get into death number two. And that is drowning in a dunk tank he's doing the harry houdini but he's completely tied mm-hmm. down and they fill that water up and keep him in there for a whole fucking hour <laughs> yep. they're like all right once he's dead we'll leave him in for an hour yeah i love mm-hmm. i i forgot about i don't know why i like it so much that the that's when the assistant asks him to go on a date like Coralie yeah, asks him, yeah, he writes he's he like writes what are you saying and lipstick. she writes Di- yeah dinner tonight <laughs> she writes it with like lipstick on the tank for lipstick. him to read it and kind of sees it and shakes his head yeah and then yeah sure drowns uh, that was <laughs> fucking drowns and then he just like he kind of everybody leaves because he's still fucking dead i also like the gag in this part where the fucking doctor takes off the fuck the stethoscope and the stethoscope is shooting water out of it like a cartoon (laughs) i don't think i noticed that that's hilarious i was like what the fuck it's so good so yeah and then obviously he's dead and he comes back alive and now we have the icon Ulrich the Undying. Mm-hmm. And this kind of goes into all these other elaborate deaths that he has set up for himself, which is leads to number three, where he's hung as a cowboy. Like I also like the one. costumes. I love the costumes in every single one as he dies. Mm-hmm. So now, okay, as a little bit of a side tangent. Now, um, after, <laughs> uh, these deaths are very contained. Uh, obviously, because it's the atmosphere of the carnival, and yeah, it's um, like a tent. It's like in a tent. So in the comic book, they're a little more outlandish. So in the comic book, one of the first deaths he does is that he just dumps himself off of Niagara Falls with no <laughs> barrel or any boat or anything like that. He just later and just fucking completely gets pummeled underneath the waves. And then another one is that he's he drops out of a fucking airplane into a giant target that's in the middle of the circus. Oh. So it's just... <laughs> that's I was incredible. like, okay. That, so I really, honestly, like, reading the comic versus this, I was like, man, they're so close to the hip on this episode, it's not even funny. Like, even some of the shots are very similar to how it's illustrated. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish they would have fucking kept the airplane. Just him going full day... <laughs> oh no they did not i mean there's no way that they could have afforded Same him going niagara to... falls <laughs> oh exactly no they couldn't have got like full fucking dave Chappelle and con air and just fucking floated around the mm-hmm. <laughs> just make him drop yeah i just got this car washed <laughs> <laughs> so yeah no now he's got hung as a cowboy uh and this <laughs> i like the fact that Coralie doesn't want to pull the fucking the fucking uh, uh the, yeah, the latch to pull the latch, make pull him latch. hang. I want him. I don't want no pull, pull, fuck, and he just does it himself, mm-hmm. and then he dies. I like the fact that he wakes back up, and then he's holding. He's like, call it the rope. I don't want to waste one. Give me the fucking rope. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was. I was. Yeah, I didn't remember that because this time I was like, how is he doing that? Shouldn't they have to like cut him down for him to come back to life? But whatever. Right. It was. It was worth the joke of being like. Help me, I don't want to waste a life. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, my God. Totally. And then I love the fucking bandage on his neck right afterwards. I'll just talk to him like this the entire time. I love Joe like, Leonardo. He's great. 
He's so good. He's so good at being a dirtbag, but he's also just a really generally great actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like, oh, how could I murder you? I know. I'll murder us both. And not like a murder-suicide. This is a car crash into a brick wall. Full speed. Yeah. Full no speed belt. Oh Glass breaking. Just... Head smashing. Doctor Diane. And this actually happens in the comic book. The only difference is as the doctor is getting ejected out of the car, he turns back and he smiles at Ulrich. And Ulrich doesn't understand why in this moment he's smiling as he's getting thrown out the window. Interesting. Which we will find out later. <laughs> and I guess it's kind of an homage to like, I, I pledge this death to the good doctor who yeah. fatally died in a car wreck. And his, um, he, his next death at the circus, he like gives a speech to <laughs> yes. in the doctor's well, He still has honor. like little cuts and scars all over his face from the broken Ridiculous. glass. I love um, it though. It really does make you like hate the character more, but also love to hate him. Yeah, you love just like, and well, that's the funniest part because usually like with shitty characters like that, you really get satisfaction out of watching them die. You get to watch him die multiple times and yeah. feel good about it. So it's like, oh, all right, cool. All right, you're a piece of shit, but you can die all the time. So this, this is fine. This is fine. Kill him again. He gets electrocuted. He gets fucking fried. <laughs> okay, so this one I find really fucking great for a few different reasons. A granny gets picked out of the audience. Bitch your ass, I'm ready. And fucking fries him mm-hmm. on there, which I thought was great. That granny was fucking fantastic. Um, I love the aspect that they, of that that they start building in the crowd participation aspect. That's like yes. so grim and smart and... Yeah, because <laughs> it's like yeah because you know people would pay for that it's oh, fucked absolutely. up but you absolutely people would pay for that and then this is also the first death without the doctor so he's not fucking resurrecting so he winds up in the morgue and he wakes up in the morgue as Coralie's desperately trying to have the the uh mortician or not mortician i guess the uh yeah. coroner not do an autopsy on him right and then he wakes up and freaks. I like how, like, when the, <laughs> the coroner sees him, he does, like, the vampire cross with his fingers and just collapses in the car. Like, ah, fuck. Um, and this is where he kind of cuts to it because he's like, dude, honestly, like, man, that was calling it too close. I don't even know if I can come back if I'm embalmed or a bunch of other shit, which is right. so gross. And also a little bit of a nod to it's the monkey's paw segment from the original film. Tales from the Crypt, because the wife wishes him back to be resurrected, but it was before, like, kind of that twist of fate thing where, like, he came back and he's alive for all time, but he was embalmed. So, like, his entire life is just suffering. So I thought that was, like, I don't know if that was intentional, but it was a really fun little nod to the 1970s film. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We get the moving target death next. Which is so fucked up. It's so great. He's hiding. He's got, well, like, it's like a little, it's not like a, it's not like a cowboy outfit, but it's like a little, if it's like a five-year-old from the 50s was a cowboy, like, this is kind of what he would be wearing. Stark white, and he's behind a bear with a heart cut out of the wood, and people are getting paid, or paying people a thousand dollars a shot to shoot an arrow to try to kill him as a living moving target. It's like a cutout where you would, like, stand and put your face through it, but instead of putting your face through it they cut out the heart part for to be shot through (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah and um if okay again uh our 90s viewers we get michael bauer aka donkey lips from salute your shorts as one of the father and son duo 
that shoots the arrow at him. Who he's adamant about not shooting it, and when he finally does, of course he shoots it right in the dick. I feel like there was a cutscene where Ulrich does get shot in the dick, and then he says something. But I, that's just maybe just a pipe dream because I know he doesn't. But like that no. would have been just so funny if he gets maimed and he's like, "God damn it!" <laughs> yeah, well, that was the first thing I thought. I was like, "Oh, probably didn't think about people missing and just getting riddled with arrows until you're killed." <laughs> like, but luckily, you know, doesn't last long. <laughs> oh no, totally doesn't last long because the uh, arch was it the state champion archery something something like the guy comes in with his identification and fucking nukes him on sight um i love <laughs> okay sorry okay one of the funniest scenes of this entire episode to me is after he gets shot okay so he gets shot in the heart dies and mm-hmm. then the gift to the guy who shot him for a thousand dollars is the blood-soaked arrow as they walk away which is so morbid and absolutely the souvenir that i would want if i shot a man in the heart for a thousand dollars i'd want his heart i would pr- actually yeah i mean yeah you would wouldn't you probably maybe like a body part or something like that would probably yeah. be a little more satisfying that kid gets his dick <laughs> get, get his dick <laughs> go on son that's where you hit him go get it dude the my favorite absolute favorite fucking bit in this entire episode is between Coralie and the cop after he gets shot where he's like man we gotta take him downtown i was under specific instructions to give you this if you resisted it and all the money that he fucking mm-hmm. hands him the entire wad of money and then that he goes <laughs> more than i'm making a year yeah and she goes you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> Like and then he immediately, <laughs> oh my god, dude! That I don't know why that fucking that scene tickles me pink every single time because like this one making it here. She goes, "You're welcome." And he goes, "All right, do you uh, what do you want me to move this? Do you want yeah, me to do you need help around? moving them?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cap's like, "All right, fuck it." Now, with a huge lump sum of money, they are now tra- Corley and uh, Ulrich are now scheming about what to do after everything's all said and done. But unfortunately for Ulrich, uh, Coralie already has plans of her own, which is to stab him in the back with a comb. No, I'm just kidding. An actual dagger, because she pulls a comb out first yes. and has to rummage into That's her That's a great fucking bit. So <laughs> fucking dumb. I loved it. Yeah, uh, and then fucking stabs in the back. And I like this death, because he fucking hisses. Like, he does mm-hmm. this, like, yeah. And like, yeah. Lips like curl up to, to expose his teeth. Oh my god! So yeah, so that's <laughs> so we get yeah, that's so we get death number seven stabbed in the back, and that leads us literally full stabbed fucking, in the back, literally, literally and figuratively. But yeah, but and just robbed blind. So now figuratively, figuratively, figuratively robbed blind, literally and figuratively, figuratively stabbed, stabbed, in the back. stabbed the back. There we go. That's <laughs> that'll be on our t-shirt somewhere. Perfect. Yeah, that leads us all completely back to where we began, which is Ulrich in the coffin. Now, the reason why he's in the coffin is that he wanted one big blast bang shaboozle before he uh, slinks off into wherever the hell he wants to go. He convinces the Barker to give him 100% of the proceeds to tell him to fuck off. And he's Mm -hmm. done, and he is now gloating about all of his accomplishments, how much fucking money's in I love where he says, I could have got a piece of his concessions if I wanted it. Like, talking about how much power he had over the carnival guy. What's his name? Robert Wool? Yes. Yeah, Robert Wool's character. Oh, my God, dude. And he just, you know, he thinks back on that cat 
And then he goes, man, if it wasn't for that cat giving up his life to do the... And then it dawns on him. Oh, shit. The cat had to fucking die to give him the gland. He did not have nine lives. He had eight. And number eight is in this fucking coffin. Mm-hmm. Ugh, the fucking realization. Like, I think as a viewer, you're so caught up in, in the story. Deaths and the story and yeah. the elaboration of that, yeah. that you're just by proxy thinking, oh, well, the quote-unquote, the cat was alive when maybe giving the gland. It's like, no, it can't. It's in the middle of his fucking all... brain. Yeah, you just don't think different. about it. Right. And when it dawns on you, you're almost as surprised as Ulrich is in the coffin where you go, oh, shit. I knew it was coming, and I was still like, oh, yeah, here it is. That's right. Yeah. Like, it's because the cat died already. Because I knew he was going to die in there, but I like... Yeah, I was just caught up again. <laughs> oh my god, totally. I mean, and a lot of the endings for most of these episodes, realistically, are very predictable. I mean, we're dealing with 1950s comic book era stuff, which has to deal with, like, the twist at the end, or, like, the weird morality. Right, and it's always, so, like, like a, a dramatic irony, or some, a, a lot of, yes. iro- some sort of ironic... Irony, at, exactly, yes. twist mm-hmm. at the end. Um, and there's only, I mean, a lot of them... Not or not all of them, because there's a few that I feel like are fucking just even intense as comics uh, and part of this program. Like, uh, was it Three's a Crowd is one of the most. That, fucking that's big. my favorite episode. I just listened to a podcast talk about it. Otherwise, you asked which one I wanted to do. And yeah. that's my favorite episode. But I, I don't know why, for whatever reason, I didn't want to do it. So I, this was the next one I thought of. Totally. Well, I think when you when you think of Tales from the Crypt, for the most part, you have this really, it, there is some cheese factor to it. And I think the mm-hmm. cheese factor plays off really well with the gore. And like, obviously you're dealing with like fucking zombies and werewolves right. and vampires and all different kinds of crazy ass shit. You know what I mean? And with Three's a Crowd, it has to deal with like paranoia and uh like doubt and like some real world fucking shit and then uh we'll probably cover it later but the twist on that episode is heartbreaking like it's fuck yeah like probably top 10 worst like oh fuck yeah i doubt one i did not see coming i've shown it to a bunch of people and i feel like a fair amount of them predict it just as easily as the other ones but i think part of it why it's so or why people may have been able to predict it is because they're just watching that one. If you're watching a bunch of tales from the crypt, however many episodes, 15 episodes before you see that one. Yeah. It, because it's so different, it's, it's a different type of twist compared to the others. So that's why mm. it surprises you because it's oh, out absolutely. of, it breaks from the traditional vein. <laughs> absolutely. And I think when they deal with, um, uh, the first season does dabble a lot with um, like real world consequences as in, I mean, and they might get like, they might push the parameters of what reality is a little bit, but like all throughout the house and the first one, like those are plausible things. And I think mm-hmm. when they started getting into more fantasy horror is in the fact of like, you know, you're dealing with like the undead and right. ghosts and fucking all this other kind of stuff. When you deal with like actual, like homicidal murder and like suspicion and a bunch mm-hmm. of that's just it's a very it's very different from the other episodes you've been watching all the time and the like impact of threes of crowd that it would have on the character like is it's so brutal 
Uh. <laughs> it really, really is. So um, just as the cherry on the Sunday on top of this, uh, we have two workmen that finish burying Ulrich alive. Mm-hmm. They, he's screaming in his coffin to please let him out. He only has eight lives. He only has eight lives. And then we get this like... And they both are like, did you hear that? Eh, it's probably just the cat. All right, yeah, that's probably what it is. And just shuffle off, and the fucking that little that cat on top of his grave at the end of that episode was just like, mm, mm, cherry, mm, cherry mm-hmm. on Sunday. And then it's back in the coffin, and you see the candle go out because the oxygen's gone. Gone. Ugh, so fucking good. So in the comic book, uh, he makes the realization that the reason why the doctor was smirking is that he knew that he did not have the nine full lives. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he knew for a fact that this Ulrich would make a fucking move to kill himself in not eight times. <laughs> so he's like, no matter, hey, you can kill me now. I know you're going to be fucking dead. Like actually, actually dead later. Right. Great. I love it. I wish they could have done it, but it's all right. I love the episode. Oh, dude, this is this is a great one, especially for for the first season. Like this first season is such a great just as as a whole. I mean, you got some of the best directors at the time doing and big these time actors too, right? Huge, yeah. I know. I yeah. don't know if the directors thing keeps up throughout the series, but I, actors definitely does throughout the whole series. They have you know name actors, not a listers or anything, but people you know. Oh, absolutely. I mean, again, also for the time that it was made, I mean, like, oh, my God, this thing was violent as all hell, but it was oh, supposed yeah. to be, you know. Oh, also, which I find really good. There's not a lot of, like, super trivia when it comes to these dudes, but the ringmaster at in his trailer tells Ulrich that HBO had sent their check. In a lot of some of these episodes, they, HBO puts themselves into the episodes a little bit, and I thought that was really funny, where I was like, all right. There I liked go. that Here's joke. I did like that joke. It was a fun little, as a throwaway line, but it's, it's fun. Right. And, you know, I was trying to figure out a way of um, uh, wrapping this segment up, but the Crypt Keeper did it the best. So I'm just going to quote his closing statement. <laughs> not the voice, though. Maybe not no, the voice. No, no, yeah, it's tough. There, there. Nice kitty. Get! Hope you enjoyed our little bedtime story, kids. Alas, poor Ulrich. Mr. Bet, though Dying for Dollars could have been a popular game show, they could have put it in between Wheel of Misfortune and the newly dead game, unless they buried it in the wrong time slot. Even in season one, to be totally honest with you, it is there is so much. The puns are so deadly in this fucking, like, I just, ah. Uh. I love it. It's like my wife. It's like this. Literally, the Crypt Keeper's wife. My wife is so ridiculous with puns, it's not even funny. Not even punny. It's not even punny. We call her the Punisher. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Better than Big Pun. Don't call her that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, my God. I never in a, never in a million years. <laughs> cool. Well, I think with that, I mean, we're not going to do finger cutting or anything, right? We're just going to be like, hey, great episode, yeah. great show. Great episode. Watch it. It's on YouTube. You know, it is on YouTube. Yeah, there's a... Because it's not streaming anywhere. Ross and I have complained about that before. We have all the DVDs, but you got to go and get the DVD and put in a thing. It'd be so much easier if it was streaming. <laughs> oh my God, totally. Yeah, this is... Um, I feel like this is probably in litigation fucking hellhole somewhere between all of the directors, media companies. I know by season... 
was it their six seasons? By season five, season six, we did all their production in the UK with a completely different production team. That's oh. why in season six, everything's based in the UK. Mm-hmm. I have no effing clue why this is not on HBO streaming. Yeah, I, I mean, same. I'm assuming it's per licensing. Got to be a or... rights thing, I would assume. Yeah, you know, some sort of legal thing. But I mean, if they're able to release it on DVD, you'd think they'd be able oh, to. Absolutely. I'm cu- I'm actually pretty surprised, realistically, that there isn't a Blu-ray box set of this. Mm-hmm. That never it just it was just DVD. So they, yeah. we never got a Blu-ray. We never got a 4K. We never got a 10K. We never got a you know the what is it uh, new Ultra Shuttle. Yeah, Ultra Shuttle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> H what is it HD something something? What was the defunct one for Microsoft that never picked up that was supposed to take over Blu-ray? HD, was it HD? DVD. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. PlayStation and Xbox were like competing for one had Blu-ray and one had HD DVD, yeah. HD DVD, and I was like, which one's gonna succeed? Guess what horse I bet on? Both of them. The wrong horse. I got an Xbox, and I was like, oh HD, that sounds pretty good. And I got sure, the set. But I was you like, didn't no. get HD DVDs, did you? <laughs> no, because that no. would have been bad. Is if you started been building? A... I think, no, actually, you know what? That's a lie. I think I got one. I think I got one of them, but I fuck what that was. Absolutely no fucking idea. And they were all off the shelves within two weeks of it coming out. (laughs) Right. Well, Tales from the Crypt, see it, learn it, love it, live it. It's good. I'm sure you can find copies of DVDs for sale still, which apparently I might need to do because I'm missing disc one of season two of all of it. I have all of them except, and I put them in a CD book in alphabetical order. So, I can just see what, you know, and for whatever reason, that one disc is somewhere. Maybe it's on. I still have like old spindle racks from when you get like blank CDs that are full of random stuff. stuff? So hopefully it's in one of those. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, God. Ten hours later. Tell me when tell me when you find that. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay. well, Well, with that, I think we can take a break and come back to play our fun little games where we ask each other questions and learn more about each other because we're friends we're friends and we're back thank you to those sponsors for those words of encouragement i'm gonna be honest we've heard better praise before from other sponsors but we appreciate (laughs) you anyway wow wow well i mean it it's true we've really had some gobsmackers recently and that let me down. Anyway, where were we? We're playing some games. We got some oh, questions to ask each other. You got you one to start us off, Ross? Rather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a few to start us off. I have, I mean, you could probably guess where the first one's coming. Well, not a kind of would you rather, multiple choice. Uh, yeah. Out of the multiple deaths of Ulrich, which one would you choose? And this is just a one-time deal. This is the this is your one ticket punch out so into the afterlife. How do you want, this is just okay. how you fucking die. Yeah, Ulrich gave you eight choices on how to die. Okay, you can choose one of them. Which I one would it be? Think I would probably go with getting shot in the head because it yeah. seems the quickest and least painful. I would guess. I don't know because yeah. what it gets hung, electrocuted, drowned, car accident, stabbed in the back, and suffocated in a coffin. Is that all of them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't want... I Of all of those, I, yeah, shot in the head. Shot in the head. Sure. I think shot in the head's probably the quickest. Um, I think close second to me was the moving target just because of his weird-ass face 
that he makes when he gets shot and comes out. It's like, it's weird. It is like, he's he just blew his load. Like, is that like, kind of just like, oh, all right, just don't touch me. Never know what'll do it for you. <laughs> Getting shot. All right, well, then that was fairly easy. So, okay, you're going to go with shot in the head. I'm going to go with just moving target just so our d- answers aren't the same. Okay, well, I mean, you're going to get possibly shot in the dick by an arrow before you die. Maybe I should recant that. My wife wants to start doing archery. Maybe I'm, maybe that's a self-fulfilling prophecy that I'm starting here on the podcast. You know what? Shot in the head. That's fine. I'll do that. All right, good. Yeah, I, I thought you were going to recant it because your wife didn't want you to be shot in the dick. <laughs> I guess she has no problem with Shoot that. Shoot her in the dick! <laughs> that's why she's starting archery. That's um, <laughs> Okay, I'll. Ju- I know you have one more. I'll jump to one from Reddit real quick, and then we'll we'll wrap up with your last one. So let's see what do we have on here. This is coming from Reddit. Here's one. Would you rather have a glass eye or a wooden leg? Your our options are glass eye, wooden leg, or full pirate, which is both. Oh. So I'm sure Reddit said full pirate because they think that's funny. So a glass eye or a wooden leg? Yeah, glass eye or wooden leg. Okay, well, I mean, because of what I do for a living, which is using my eyes to tattoo, then I would probably say I could probably maintain what I do with a wooden leg. Although it would be probably a little more difficult to wrangling my kids around, but I can deal with that. Yeah, I think I would go eye because I don't need my eyes like you do for my living. And uh feel like a lot of my favorite hobbies like skateboarding and hiking and stuff would be difficult to do now, with a wooden leg. Do you, are you set on a wooden leg? As in like, couldn't you get one of those ones that have like the flex bow thing? Like, you know, like you could go like well, it says, 100 miles It does hour? say wooden leg, not a like, you know, whatever the different styles Robot of legs. amputee legs are. So I'm thinking it's wooden <laughs> okay so we're going no okay so this is a but full pirate e- even still i still having to learn how to use that i mean i could do it eventually but as far That's as a, what bigger effect it would have on my day-to-day as long as they're not accordions right exactly that was why i couldn't do it also i it'd be very hard to skate with skateboarding <laughs> skate with accordion <laughs> or skate legs. with accordion legs skateordian <laughs> accordion cordboard cord uh cordboard so yeah, and that gives us different answers there. There we go. Perfect. And they're both kind of like, what would impact our life the most right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I think that's, you know, all right, cool. Let's see all what right, Twitter so, said. All right, let's see what Twitter said. We'll do full pirate as our answer, since we had different answers. Wooden leg is winning. 33 for wooden leg, 29 for glass eye, 14 for full pirate. Uh-huh. See? Leave it to Reddit for 14%. Not many people did that one yet. (laughs) All right. So last one of the evening. If you are in a Tales from the Crypt multiverse, you are tumbling through, your reality has to be one of the episodes of Tales from the Crypt which episode would you want your life to be in? Does this mean like the thing happens to me in the episode or it's just my reality? Because there's there's plenty of them where you could just be living a great life. Living, living not normal. On camera. Totally <laughs> okay, no. You have to be one of the characters in the, sto- in the story. Interesting. I don't know why this is the first one that occurs to me. I don't 
you can probably tell me that it's in the, one of the earlier seasons. There's the mortuary. I think it's like a black owned or something. I it's definitely. I feel like a young black kid working there. And he, oh yes, where his uh, he goes because live with his uncle who's in the mort and yeah. yes, and uh, he is working there. And what his uncle becomes a zombie at the end or something? <laughs> I can't, don't even really remember. <laughs> I just really no. Liked he, the, uh, no, he beats he beats his uh, he beats his nephew, and then he falls down the stairs and dies. And then he cuts his legs off because all of the caskets he got were super cheap and they were super short. And then he comes back as a zombie to kill his uncle with like you see his like two That's severed feet coming down the yeah, fucking yeah, stair. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, that. That's okay. So Sam, obviously, this is why I love you. <laughs> I also was thinking of an Undertaker episode. Oh, interesting. Uh, for this. And mine is from season three, and it is the Undertaking Parlor. Now, this is the tale of the kids in the neighborhood realizing that the pharmacist and the Undertaker have made a plot to kill people in town to boost profits. Mm-hmm. And they get them all on tape and stuff like that for whatever yep. reason. That fucking episode is so disgusting and off. Like when he's just eating and like laying shit on the corpses, and he's using like a shop vac to suck out their guts. And stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's such a weird way of looking at an Undertaker because he's just like time to make the donuts, and then like what is it the pr- like the woman he like he takes a mallet and fucking smashes her face in and then like rearranges. Re- oh yeah. As you were as you were saying all the th- stuff they do in there that they're witness to, that's when it was all flooding back to me. That episode. Oh my god! <laughs> it was like a tr- it's like a true crime version of the Goonies, and I was like, all right, well, I could I could probably deal with that. I didn't hear what you said, but I'm sure it was very funny. Good job. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, oh my god! And um. Wow, I also realized that we did not do any uh, at Chuddle the Sam, at Chuddle the Ross, at mm. Chuddle the Brian, or at Chuddle the Pod. All of those handles you can find us on Instagram and uh, Slasher. We'll just go with those. I mean, we have some stuff that's out on Twitter. We have some stuff that's out on some other. Th- don't d- don't even bother. Just go. Just uh, you know what? Yeah. I mean, bother. Obviously, if you want to bother, you know, please bother us. But to get in contact with us, Instagram and Slasher are probably the top two as of mm-hmm. right now. And That's as I said before, that is at Chuddle the Sam, at Chuddle the Brian, with a why. It's why not. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. That was great. And Chuddle the Ross, and our main hub at Chuddle the Pod. Thank you for venturing on this uh, tale of television seas with us. Uh, I am so thankful uh, to uh, be able to talk about Tales from the Crypt. It's one of my favorite things to do. Thank you, Sam. Yeah, thank you. And unless there's anything else. Oh, you know what else we forgot? Asking how I was. I'm fine. Thanks, by the way. Until next time, (laughs) we'll be waiting.
We'll be waiting. Hold on, wait a second. We never played with this fucking radio. The entire episode. Oh, well, who knows? All right. Well, I'll fiddle around with it in the end credits and maybe we Maybe could, you were uh, fiddling with it the whole time and you didn't realize. Oh, my gosh. Maybe I was. All right. Good night. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> <laughs>